Today we want to continue our series on real church. And today's message is about giving. And it's about graceful giving. And it's in 2 Corinthians 8, starting with verse 1. And as we've been going through this, Paul last time I spoke was talking about uh, what it means, what brought him joy. And he talked about joy can come in any circumstances. In fact, he said one, during, during some of his most difficult times of his life, he found joy. But now he moves to giving, and he moves to the concept of if you have turned yourself over to God, if you've experienced the grace of God, you will give. Now, a lot of times when a pastor wants to talk about money, a lot of people say, uh-oh, watch out. You know, we've heard about these pastors. You know, they're the ones that have the, you know, the, when, when will Pastor John get his new jet, okay, or something like that. I don't have a jet. Uh, I'm not getting one. Um, but it's important to understand that there is a lot of coercion that takes place in giving. There is a lot of kind of tugging at your heartstrings, and not just tugging at your heartstrings, but basically grinding it to you. If you don't give, you're a terrible person. I mean, I don't know if you've ever felt that way in some giving campaigns, and there's always, or there's some projects coming up, or the pastor pulls out the sermon out of the, well, we're short, so we better get the good giving sermon out. Well, that's the advantage of preaching the way I do. I'm preaching through the book of Second Corinthians, so I didn't pick the passage. Apostle Paul did. Uh, and it's just coming up right here. But I want you to understand that this passage really goes in against a lot of what happens in the church today. It goes against some of the methods that are used by churches and other organizations to really push at you and, and guilt you into giving. That is not what God wants. In fact, I've said it over and over again about giving. God, and I, Dave Ramsey says this in his course. Have you ever seen Dave Ramsey or heard him on the radio? He says, and he says it scares every pastor, God doesn't need your money and the church doesn't need your money. And he says, now for every pastor here that just fainted, if you want to get the pastor, you know, revive him right now. But he says, God has no need, personal need. It's not like he's up in heaven going, oh, I hope they give because there's no other way. I can't handle it on my own. God could just leave a check in the mailbox every Monday. He has complete capability of doing that. He could just go, you know, just, I don't know which bank God uses, but he could, you know, just send it right over. And it's capable of doing that, but what he does is he wants us to have the joy of giving. He wants it to flow through us. He wants us to have the enjoyment and the, and the uh, blessing of giving, and that's why he does that. And so it's all about what God has done in our lives and how it interacts in our heart, and that is the major focus of what we're going to talk about today. So let's look at 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 15. I'm going to read it before we start. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so we should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything in faith and speech and knowledge and all earnestness, and in our, in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. 
I say this not as a command, but prove by the earnestness of others that your love is genuine. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment, so this benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should, not be, should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness. Your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered, gathered little had no lack. There is one word that stands out as you read this verse. And it's not the word giving. It is the word grace. Grace is the key to all giving. If you look at verse 1, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Look at verse 6. Accordingly, we urge Titus that he has started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. Verse 7. See that you excel in this act of grace also. Verse 9, and you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so what does this mean? What does the word mean? It means the unmerited favor of God. It means that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It means that we have received so much from God, we have received His grace. We do not deserve to be saved. We do not deserve to have what we have. We do not deserve the fact that others have gone before us and and preach the word so that we can hear that others have sacrificed. And mostly it comes down to what Christ has done. We do not deserve these things. And how is it, the act of grace is this, is that Christ reconciled us to him. That Christ came down from heaven. The act of grace in 2 Corinthians 6, 1, uh, Paul earlier had said, working together with him, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. In other words, God has done everything for you. He has died on the cross for you. He has done everything for you. And as that grace flows through your heart, the other things are going to take care of themselves. He doesn't start with giving. There's a lot of people that start with money and just say, we're going to talk about giving today. Okay, everybody get their checkbook up. He starts with the grace of God. He says it's all about what God has done for us. It's all about who He is. It's all about how we've been changed. How we have been spared from things because of what God has done. 2 Corinthians 5, 18-21, he puts it this way. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting us to the message of reconciliation. For our sake, skipping to 21, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, this is the word for you. If you accept Jesus Christ, you are no longer guilty of any sin you have ever committed in your life. And there's not one person here who has not sinned. So it's not like, well, that only identifies with the people on the right side. People on the left side have not sinned, so they're all like, wow, I hope we get experience grace someday. 
I think everybody here is going, wow, that's a big plus. Okay? It's basically, we are not worthy of what we receive from God. We have not done it all correctly. We have fallen short. We have had bad thoughts in our minds. We have had um, things that we have acted out. We have said things that we're not supposed to say. Every single person. Like I said, we would not want our whole week put on the screen every Sunday for everybody to see the things that we struggle with. But God has said, in Christ we can be reconciled to Him and declared righteous by God. So that when we appear before God someday, and this is the thing that always amazes me, the way that the world presents it is, you get up to heaven and you're, you know, there's even the St. Peter jokes. When you get up to heaven, you kind of have to talk your way into heaven. Kind of trick your way. St. Peter's God at the gate. He's like, ooh, why should I let you in, John? You're not really that great. Well, the answer is, you're not that great. I walk up there and Jesus Christ, when we get to heaven, God looks at us, he sees Jesus Christ in us, and he says, welcome. And we're going to look at him and say, really? I'm not that great. He says, but what Christ has done in you makes you whole. Declares you righteous. Declares you a saint. Have you ever heard anybody say, I'm no saint? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a saint. I love when Paul, in 1 Corinthians, he talks to these people. He calls them saints, and then he calls them out for all of their sins. You're like, wait a second, I thought saints were perfect. No, saints are forgiven. Saints are forgiven by Jesus Christ. They've received the grace of God. And because of that, everything revolves around that. Once we understand that God has given us grace, everything flows from that. It flows into our, the way we live. It flows into our, our lifestyle. It flows into our giving. It flows into everything. When we receive the grace of God, when we have truly understand what He has done for us, that it's not about us, it's about what He has done for us. And from this, the second point is giving flows from a grateful heart that understands that we've received grace. If you look at verse 2, For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. This is something that I struggle with. I always am looking forward to the day when I have enough that I can start really giving. You always hear about the people that uh, they hear about a student maybe that doesn't have enough money to go to college and they're able to write the check and help that kid. And you see them, oh, this kid got to go to college because somebody helped him. Ooh, I wish I could do that. I wish I could, I could see somebody with their car broken down the side of the road, just drive them over to the car dealer and say, give him a car. Okay? And you always say to yourself, oh, that'd be so much fun. Once I get wealthy, then I can do. But right now, I don't have any money. I can't give. You know what? Everybody can give. Once we understand this, in fact, if you look at the Macedonians, Paul is very clear. They were probably in their lowest time, their severe test of affliction, extreme poverty, and they overflowed in a wealth of generosity. There was such a wellspring of generosity in them, they just wanted to give and give and give and give. Their heart was changed so much, they said, how can I give? And this is still true today. Do you know that people that are poor give more, higher percentage of their wealth than people that are rich? It's still true today. It's been proven over and again. You get richer, it's like, ooh, that's a lot of money I, give, I have to give. Or I'll just give a portion. It looks really good because I'm so wealthy. But poor people have this. They, I don't know why that is, but it's a wealth of generosity that we're flowing. It's this extreme overflowing. The term here is, bubbling over of generosity. And the only way that is possible to give when you are poor, 
Because when you are poor, it is the last time you think about, hey, how can I help somebody else out? I'm not sure I'm going to make the car payment this month, but let's find somebody else to give. Is that the normal reaction of people? If you went to a financial planner, I don't think so. Their reaction is, how can I make it this month? Here's what the Macedonian said. How can I give to somebody? I don't know where my next meal is coming from, but hey, can I help somebody else out? What does that tell you? The grace of God has changed their heart. Because that's not possible without the grace of God. They understood that God was going to take care of them, and they understood that God had already been good to them, and now they were looking for opportunities to give. And they were not worried about their next meal because they understood that God was in charge of that. They were looking for, how can I give back to a God that has given so much to me? I love all this in verse 3. I can testify, he says, they gave according to their means. So everybody gave according to what they have. They even gave beyond their means. They kind of went crazy. It sounds like they were just having a good old time. All right? They're like, hey, can we have some? Let's all give everything we can. Ooh, can we give more? Can we give more? Can we give more? But I love this thing, on their own accord. I want you to know something. I, I do not believe in being a church that tracks people's giving and then gives them a call on December 27th or at the end of the year. Excuse me, you need to give more money to the church. Because the Bible says it's got to be of your accord. It's not the pastor coming down and giving the big push on you and saying, you need to give because, well, you have to. I've heard of churches that did I know of churches where they collect people's 1040s and look at them. Okay, first of all, I don't want to look at your 1040. I don't even like looking at my own 1040. All right, I don't even want to see it. But it's totally, completely, if you look in the Bible, it says it is of their own accord because if you are transformed by the grace of God, you need to be stopped from giving. Like the Moses thing that happened in the Old Testament, there was a time when they got so excited about giving, Moses had to put a stop to it and say, we have too much stuff right now, please stop. That's what the heart changes. It's of their own accord. Of their own accord, no one forced or coerced it. Seems to be the opposite of today. When you need something, you really need to put the screws to somebody. You really need to get the tears going. You really need to give them that, that big speech about if you don't give and then have the crying child next to you and have the mood music, have Jordan up here with the right music at the right time and everybody crying. Oh, we're going to go give, we'll give, Pastor. All right, that's not how it works. The grace of God is what makes you give. The grace of God overwhelming your heart. The understanding that he has changed you internally. Now, verse 4 is just amazing. They begged us earnestly for the favor of taking part of the giving. Have you ever walked into church, walked up to the pastor, when do we get to give? Come on! Now! I'm begging you, open up the offering plates now! I've never done that. Okay, I, I, we should do that. Go to, everybody go to a strange church when they're on vacation. Go, I want to give now. Now. Because the word here is begging for the favor of giving. That's what they were doing. They were, they were offended. Because sometimes you ever think to yourself, okay, we're going to take up an offering. We're, we're going to help somebody out. And you know somebody's really poor. And like, well, I don't want to ask them. They don't have any money. In some respects, you're robbing them of the opportunity to give. You are. They're begging. They're saying, we don't have any money. We're the poorest people. The Macedonians had no money. Which is ironic because the Corinthian people right here, 
had wealth. They were wealthy. So Paul's kind of showing them a little bit. He says, you know the Macedonians, they don't have any money. Corinthians, you guys are a seaport. You guys have a ton of cash. But they begged me for the opportunity to give to people that were poor. Well, aren't they poor? Yeah, but they wanted to give to other poor people. How exciting is that? How, how great is that what they have done? And that it just, it, it sticks me for the favor. <coughs> and what an attitude by the grace of God. And it shows also that they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God in verse 5. It talks about the fact that they gave themselves to God. And when we give ourselves to God, this attitude flows. See this attitude, this personal, this understanding of who we are? It flows from who we are. We have given ourselves to God, and once we give ourselves to God, we give ourselves in everything. Everything. It's like, we've given ourselves to you, God. It says in, the, in Acts 2, when everybody was saved right away, what did they do? They sold something. When anybody had a need, they would sell their land. They would sell their goods. They would find a chance because they were looking for opportunities to give to somebody in need. They were looking for this. Their heart was to God and to the church. They said, how can we give? How can we do this? And so it's important that we understand that there has to be this attitude that comes out, this attitude of, of out of extreme poverty overflowed a wealth of generosity. And it's important that we understand that this, as you excel in everything, Paul is going to say in verse 7, Excel in this act of grace also. He's going to put it to them and say this simply. You need to go further in this act of grace. As your heart has been changed, you need to move forward in what God has given you and move forward in this act of grace in what God has called you to do. The example, Scott Hafman puts it this way, the example of the Macedonians reminds the Corinthians that the reality of their spirituality will be seen in their giving. In other words, I think we all know this, giving money is hard. Giving my hard-earned money. I worked hard every day. I got up when that alarm went off in the morning. I like to stay in bed and not go. Maybe I'm the only one. Okay, but I earned it. What is, why does somebody else get it? It tells us the condition of our heart. You don't give to prove anything to God, but when you, what, when you freely give it shows where your heart really is. It proves in verse 8, it says, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. It says simply this, when your love for Christ is genuine, you will be a giving person. Because when you truly understand, when you love Christ, you see the grace that he has given you, you'll have no choice but to give. Because his love will overwhelm you, your love for him will also prove to be your love for others. You see that giving to others makes the gospel move about. Your love starts to flow. All of a sudden, the giving just starts to flow out of you. So if we're having trouble giving, it's not that the pastor needs to preach more sermons where I squeeze in everybody. Or we have, I need to get bigger ushers. You know, guys that sit there and just go, that's it? Come on, okay? Or just stop at the, you know, I... You know, we're going to take up another offering until we get the budget. We're just going to keep on going and kind of squeeze you. No, it is our love genuine. Not a command, but voluntarily. 
The third thing that we understand about this, the grace of Christ is our example for giving. If we ever think to ourselves, why do I have to give? Well, what is it that we call ourselves? Christians, which means people after Christ. What did Christ do? Christ was in heaven. Okay, have you ever said to the term, look up a song, I'm in heaven, heavenly, wonderful. It means everything's pretty good. All right? Everything's perfect. Christ is in heaven. He has no reason to leave heaven on his own. But what does he do? For our sake, he becomes poor. For our sake, he gives up everything. Look at verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty, for you by his poverty might become rich. So Psalm 24, 1 puts it this way. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. He is basically saying God owns everything. He has need of nothing. But what is his choice? Christ came down and made himself nothing for our sake. Christ's example to us is he had the opportunity to do anything he wanted. He was on the cross. I was just listening to this the other day in my Bible study. And everybody was taunting him when he was on the cross. And they were saying, why don't you just save yourself? (coughs) And it's so true that Jesus could have just stopped right there and just said, I think I will. Just pulled his arms off, came down, kind of said, okay, you guys are all cleared out. I'm done. At any time, Christ could have done anything. When all those guys were whipping him, he could have just turned around and said, that's enough. That's enough. He, 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 at no time, when he was born in a manger, he could have said, nah, this is really cold here. Can somebody turn up the heat? I'll do it. Okay? Could have done that. When he was poor, when it said he didn't have a house to live, he could have had you know, some kind of a, a group around him, his own little you know, groupies around him, taking care of him, making sure he had all the nicest stuff. He said he didn't have any wealth when he was on earth. He did this for you. He did this for everybody who is here. Christ gave up everything for our sake. He died on the cross for you. He stayed on that cross, although he, I mean, there are times that we don't have a choice. He had a choice in everything. Every single thing. He could have said no at any time. Excuse me. But he chose to stay there on the cross for us. He chose to come to earth for us. He, for your sake, he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. This is the example that Christ gives to us. What are we willing to do for other people? Because Christ is our example. Yes, when we give, it goes to other people. It goes to others. And he is saying, our example is Christ. In this particular case, what the whole relief program was, the people of Jerusalem were going through a difficult time. We think it might have been some kind of either uh, a persecution or it could have been a uh, drought or something like that. You're helping out the church in Jerusalem. But understand that Christ came and gave so much to you. When you hear about a need in another place, we should have the same attitude that Christ does. And that's going to change us in giving. The next thing is, giving by the grace of God is for everyone. 
We already know about the Macedonians. It talks about their extreme poverty. I think we need to understand that term. Uh, I've talked about this, but one time I was listening to the BBC. Late at night I was driving, and they were reporting the poverty rates of America. And the BBC announcer from the British Broadcasting stops and says, now for all you people worldwide that are listening to this, poverty in America is not like poverty in some other country. He says, we're not talking about, we're talking about people that have cars, people that have colored TVs, people that have homes. Those are people that are under the poverty line. Now, there are some extreme poverty cases in the United States, but it's not like other countries. If you've ever been to a country that's a developing country, you know what poverty looks like. When I was in Myanmar, when I was in Cambodia, those, I mean, that's poverty. I mean, these people have very, nothing. Okay, and when we're talking about extreme poverty, there's no help programs for them. These people might have not even had much of a home or anything. They were in extreme poverty. And what it's saying is, there is no time of our life, absolutely zero times of our life, that we are not supposed to give. Giving is for everyone. The Corinthian people were very wealthy. And we see throughout the church at this time that there were wealthy people and there were not so wealthy people in the church. And it was not wealth, let's give the wealth, get, only the wealthy people give and the poor people can just enjoy it. One thing about America, and one thing I've discovered the older I get, people love when other people pay taxes. Have you ever noticed that? People love other people's tax money. It's the one thing I think is universal. Republican, Democrat, doesn't matter. We like it when other people pay taxes. In northern Minnesota, what do we like? When the people in the city get it stuck to them, right? Those crazy city people. Yeah. And the people in the city are like, well, maybe those northern Minnesota people should pay some money. And then what do we Minnesotans like? We like it when Wisconsin people pay taxes. All right? Stick it to the cheese heads. I mean, they can do it. All right? That's the American way. We vote for other people to pay taxes. All right? It, it, it's, it's, like I said, it's not... This is, I just learned this as I've observed. People love when other people pay. This is enjoyable. <coughs> but what this is saying is that everybody's part of this. We already talked about it earlier. The Macedonians, they all gave according to their means. They all gave according to what they had. But also, they gave beyond their means. Not, but now Paul is not, re, not expecting people to give beyond their means. He is saying it's a proportional thing that everybody should pay and everybody should give according to what they have. Not enough to have the desire, but the real giving has to follow. He says this benefits you to give. In other words, why would I tell you not to give? Why would I tell somebody here, I'm sorry, you're too poor. You shouldn't do something that's going to be really fun and really exciting and bring you great joy. Don't do that. Paul is not, he's just telling him directly straight out, you should give because this benefits you. He's very clear about it in verse 10. This is for your own, it will help you in your spiritual walk. This is good for you. So when he does this, he wants us all to know this. And he says we should all give according to what we have. Verse 12 makes it very clear. It is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. 
Now, we believe in the principle, and I don't, I'm not just going to say we believe. I believe it's, it is biblical to give of 10% of our income. And that's for everybody. And it comes from before the law. It comes even into the New Testament. They went well beyond 10%. They said, how much can we give? But the concept is it's proportional for everybody. For some people here, we can give more than others. And I can tell you this, after being in developing countries, they would love the opportunity to give what you can give today. They would love it. I sat in a Cambodian church in the, in the middle of the jungle and watched people give. They make $30 a, a month, maybe. And they would have loved to be able to give like we give. But God is calling them to give proportionally from what they have. And it's not to say, well, someday I get to be like that person in America. Or someday I get to be like that person in New York because they have a higher standard of living. Someday, no, everybody is supposed to give. And why are we supposed to give? Again, it comes back to verse 10. This benefits you. This is part of your, part of your faith journey. This is going to help you. Paul doesn't want you to do it for his benefit. He's saying this benefits you. This flows, it shows that the grace of God has changed you. Because money is something, and Jesus talks about money a lot. It's something that can tear us down. It's something that can cause us to do horrible things. Okay, for the sake of money, how many relationships have been destroyed? How many marriages have been destroyed? How many, how many people's own personal lives have been overcome by greed and destroyed? All, money is a wonderful thing. It, it, it's a neutral thing, in fact. It can be used for great glory, but it also can destroy us. It's kind of like fire. Fire can heat our home, but it also can burn down our home. That's money. And God knows that it benefits us when we are giving people that accept the grace of God and accept that He is in control of our lives and He can do great things. So giving is for everyone. Everyone here should be looking for opportunities to give all the time, no matter how poor we are. Why? Because it already said earlier, they had great joy. Don't you want to be like the Macedonians? When I read that, they're poor. I can't even imagine. I can't imagine extreme poverty. Where does the word extreme poverty in first century uh, Rome, or the Greece, actually Greece at this time, and they're talking about extreme poverty. These are people that I don't even know how extreme that must be. Where they must be, who knows if they have their next meal, and they're looking for opportunities to give. And what are they getting out of it? They're joyful. And I want joy in my life. I want to have God doing joy. I want to receive God's joy in my life. So Paul says it's for everybody to do it. And lastly, we need to understand this. God's grace flowed through others for us. If you look at verses 13, 14, and 15, he is talking about the fact that they're going to help the Jewish people. Now it's interesting, Paul is speaking here to the Corinthian church which is made up of Gentiles. And Gentiles, if we, we, these aren't terms necessarily we use as much today, but Gentiles are everybody who's not Jewish. And the Jewish people were the chosen people of the Old Testament. And there was a big division that happened between the Gentiles and the Jews. And there was a fight that went between the Gentiles and the Jews. And it goes throughout the entire Bible. And in Acts, and they're trying to figure it out, and Galatians, and everything like that. The Ephesians, they talk about it constantly. But what he is saying is it's time to give back to the Jewish people. It's time to give back to them. And really what he's trying to say is 
you give back to them because they're the ones who brought you the gospel. They're the ones who brought it to you. And the message that comes out of this to me is somebody paved the way for us. You're not sitting here today because of what you have done. You're sitting here today and experiencing God because of some, what somebody did. Now, everybody here comes from a different people background. Maybe you can trace your roots through a tribe in uh, Europe or a tribe in Africa, a tribe in Asia, Native American tribe, whatever. But at some time, somebody came and shared the gospel to your people. And you know what? More than likely, if, especially if you're like me with Viking blood, we probably killed a few of them. Because Vikings killed missionaries. That was kind of what, what the people did. All right? Germanic tribes? Oh, they're not nice either. Okay? So it's not like an Asian tribe. It's all these different tribes. But what did people do? They kept giving and giving because they cared enough to reach you. If you're here today because your parents were saved or your grandparents were saved, somebody invested into their life. Somebody gave into their life so that you could hear the gospel. Somebody, people that built this church, a lot of them are, I did their funerals. But they gave for your benefit. And they're they would be thrilled to death today to see you sitting here. They're not saying, well, I didn't get to see it. Well, that's not exciting. No, they gave for you. And you know what? It's time, Paul is saying out of fairness, it's time to give back. It's time to give because you've received so much. First of all, you've received so much from God. You've heard the term before. It's, it's sometimes overused, but you can't outgive God. It's so true. You say, well, I can give and I can give. You'll never give as much as God has given you, period. And also, you'll never give as much as, as the church has given you as a whole. Because like I said, somebody carried out the gospel. You know what happened to every one of the apostles? Except for one, except for John. They were tortured and killed for their faith. Tortured. I mean, look at Hebrews. They were sawed in half. They were quartered. If you know what quartered means, they had one arm, one arm attached to a horse, one leg, one leg attached to a horse, and they sent the horses and ripped the people apart. Those were the people who gave so you could hear the gospel. They gave everything for you. And so Paul says, out of fairness, maybe you can give a little. And when you put it in perspective, you're like, ooh, it seems like I'm not really giving that much, isn't it? No, it really doesn't seem that way. Because somebody cared for us enough to give. Now it's time for us to give back to other people so they can hear about the gospel. Watch you stand with me. <coughs> I alluded to this earlier, but Romans 5.8 says, But God shows His love for us, that while we were sinners, we're still sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible also says the grace of God appeared, and that was Jesus Christ. We have received the grace of God. We have received His grace. And because of His grace, I didn't even talk about, there's so many things that we have. The ability that we have to work, the ability that we have the talents that we have, it's all by the grace of God. He gave it to us all. The, the, everything that we have, maybe you here can actually saw a board that's straight. I can't, okay? But that's a grace of God that He gave you that. You can fix a car. You can, balance, you can do taxes. You can do all kinds of things. God gave you that grace. But even more than that, God made you righteous 
and reconciliation by his death of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's all by the grace of God. While we were still sinners, which means enemies of God, Christ died for us. So when it's time to give to the work of God, again, how much has God given to us? It's all by His grace. It's all by Him. It's unmerited favor. If you're here today, the number one thing I want you to take out of this message, if you've not accepted Jesus Christ, if you've not made Him the master of your life, you have not been declared righteous by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ today wants to declare you righteous and reconcile you to Him. That's why He, who was in heaven, came down, the Bible says He emptied Himself, He put on human form, he was tortured. He was, he was, you know, people went after him. They, they picked on him. I mean, everything that was done, they finally killed him in the most horrible way. Why? He did all of that for you. So that you can become set free from your sin. You no longer have to lie in bed and feel the guilt of sin in your life. You can be set free from it. And if you're here today and you've never made that commitment, today is the day to make that commitment. We have prayer ministers available that would love to talk to you. They would love to walk you through this because we don't want you to carry those guilt, that guilt around with you. It's time to let go of it. It's time to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But for everybody else who's here, I want you to remember one thing. How much God has given you. How much grace you have received. The grace of God. And everything that we give is going to flow out of how much we understand the grace of God how much we incorporate that into our lives, how much we start to grasp God has given so much. God has given so much to us. God has given so much to us. And every day, and now let's look for opportunities to give. I want to be the person, and I'm not sure I'm there yet, I'm going to be honest with you, that's begging for opportunities to give to others. And this is not just money. It can be time. It can be all kinds of things. How can we give like Christ showed himself when he gave for us? How can we be graceful to other people that we have received that grace in us? That's what God is calling us to do today. Lord, we thank you today. We thank you for your, for your love, God. We thank you for the grace that we have received. God, make us giving people in everything that we do. Lord, let us never miss an opportunity to receive the joy, the thing that benefits us, God. This benefit that comes from giving God, let it be from you. We ask this now in the name of Jesus that you be with us, God, and help us to know what it means to be truly receiving of your grace. And let us transform our lives in everything we do. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you're here today, we have people that will pray with you in the front if you have a need. Otherwise, you are dismissed.